Welcome, welcome, welcome to the All 22 Podcast presented by FFD260. You are here with your hosts, Aton Mosia and Frank B. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Wonderkid. Frank, where can the good people find you? Online, Twitter at the FFL Wire. All right, so same question every week. How was your week, man? How, how'd it go? It's been pretty good, man. Busy with uh, what we call regular full-time jobs, which one day maybe that'll be a different story. But other than that, pretty good on the uh, football happenings, and it's been an exciting week with the tra- trade deadline and, and all that good stuff. I think it's a good slate of games coming up this week, too. I think we've been seeing a little playoff preview action with some of these matchups, Rams, Packers, uh, Saints and Rams this week. So I'm pretty excited for a lot of the games. Oh, yeah, and also, you know, two absolutely enthralling matchups with the last uh, couple of off-slate games. Tonight we have uh, the San Francisco uh, 49ers with, I don't know, maybe me playing at quarterback against the Oakland Raiders, and then we just had the Patriots and the Bills. So, you know, hopefully uh, at least we'll see some interesting games on Sunday. Yeah, man, they, you might you might have to go drive over to the stadium, try out, walk on. They You might get a spot if you leave now. I don't know, or when we're done, you might want to head up there. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, at this point, I mean, it wouldn't be too far-fetched. So, let's jump right into it. Injury news and notes like we always do, just to make sure that everybody who listens to us is fully aware of everything going on this week. So, uh, Derek Anderson, uh, he went out of the game with a concussion uh, late in the game for the Bills. So, uh, he may not be starting this week. It might be the Peterman show all over again. Yeah, it looks like it's it is going to be Peterman, and they're the the odds on that game. You might as well lay lay the money because that that could be an ugly one and it'd get ugly quick. Absolutely, I'm expecting uh, at least two picks per quarter if Peterson plays. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Julian Edelman, uh, ankle injury. Uh, he also was dealing with an illness for the majority of the week. So what are the implications of Julian Edelman? Yeah, seeing the Packers, they're going to need – I don't think they're going to need their onslaught of receivers. Josh Gordon should be just fine if uh, Edelman can't get into the mix. But you can attack the Packers pretty much any way you want offensively with receivers, I think, in my opinion. But we'll see what the Patriots' plan of attack is for this matchup. But either way, I think he's going to play. He's a tough guy. He's – you know, they'll keep him limited in practice and keep it light so he doesn't do anything to aggravate it or make it worse. But we'll see what – what happens it'll be a bill belichick game time decision is what my gut says aj green out with a toe injury well i mean he's not necessarily out this is their bye week but uh, he was spotted in a walking boot um what do you think happens if uh, he ends up missing some time due to this toe injury how does that uh, impact the medals oh i don't like to see the toe stuff man because that's like the turf toe and that it doesn't matter who you are that's that kind of conquers all sometimes, or it can be an aggravating injury that hangs around. Who knows if, if he's out, you know, it's Boyd, hopefully tight end as far as fantasy purposes, uh, Uzuma gets going. Maybe that could get him into the mix as well a little more. Yeah. But I feel like we thought that last week and, uh, we I know. were all left with a zero. <laughs> so, I know uh, I, he lost me a couple games, uh, leagues like, damn it. I hate that zero. Nothing, nothing more infuriating than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
got to be careful with that going forward. I'm actually on my way to my own zero this week, uh, depending on whether or not Chris Thompson plays, because I literally have nobody else. Uh, Saquon Barkley is on bye. Leonard Fournette is injured and on bye. Uh, I got Raheem Mostert, who I just don't even know if I can start tonight. So uh, I'm I'm looking, I'm staring at zero myself. I hope that doesn't happen. Man. Ben Roethlisberger, non-throwing hand, index finger injury. Um, I mean, we've seen Ben kind of get nicked up and, and hurt every which way, and it doesn't seem to affect him. He always plays every game. In fact, I, I think he plays better injured than he does healthy. So... I wouldn't worry too much about Ben Roethlisberger this week. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, Roethlisberger, I mean, they'll prop him up like weekend at Bernie's out there, man. He'll play. It doesn't matter. I never I never even worry about stuff with him unless it's like an official, he's not playing kind of deal. But he'll be there with banged up, finger, leg, you name it. I mean, the guy is just, he's insane. He plays through it. He's tough. He'll be there for sure. Yeah, he's an Iron Man. I mean, he is. if Ben Roethlisberger's going to miss a game, it's due to suspension rather than Yeah, or it's, uh, or it's something serious, but, I mean, the Ravens game, it's going to be pretty physical. So we'll see what happens. He ain't missing that one. There's no way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blake Bortles, uh, shoulder injury uh, was just reported. Uh, as I just mentioned, the Jaguars are out on bye this week. Uh, he's going to have an extra week to heal up, but they did recently bring in some reinforcements uh, in the way of a backup quarterback, uh, just to make sure that they have somebody in case Bortles can't go. Um, this is non-throwing shoulder. Uh, what do you think will be the implications of uh, Blake Bortles uh, possibly missing time? Was it um, Barkley that they signed? Was that right? I believe so. I'm having a I brain so. fart. I, th- I thought it was Barkley they signed. I don't know if it's, I mean, non-throwing shoulder. I just feel like the Jags are at the point where they're not too sure what to do with quarterback right now. They're stuck in the middle of some terrible games and breaks and losses and just they're going to have to commit to one of these guys. I don't know. It seems like they always stick with Bortles no matter what, but if they can give them some time to rest and put Barkley or anybody in to buy him a game or two, maybe they do that as well. I don't know. Honestly, I'm not sure how different that would even make their offense. It's not yeah, like Blake I... Bortles is. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's not really uh, inspiring much confidence anyway. So nope. uh, even if we see a backup, I mean, it might just be as good as, as we'll see from that offense anyway. Uh, the the Jacksonville Jaguars are just in a tough spot. I mean, this is not at all what they envisioned uh, this year. They expected to have Fournette. They expected to be able to pound the rock uh, to the same extent that they did last season. And uh, that hamstring injury is just not allowing them to, to kind of play their game. And that defense is spending so much time on the field that while it is still one of the best passing uh, defenses in the league, uh, you're going to get burnt eventually in the NFL. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, uh, he suffered a hamstring injury. He was actually out the London game uh, that the Chargers played. Uh, he could potentially... Uh, Missed some time moving forward. Uh, what do you think about Melvin Gordon and his hamstring injury? Another hamstring injury on the pile of hamstring injured players, what we're calling 2018 season. Uh, if you got Eckler, it's probably a good thing. I wouldn't dump him. You never know what can happen. I got Eckler in two leagues, and I'm just going to sit on him in case something does go terribly wrong with Gordon, but it's just another one of those wait and sees. 
does he miss a game in practice? Maybe the healthy bye week this week from the London game. Maybe got him some some extra health ammunition. I mean, if he can rest up and, and play, that's the best situation. I'm sure he will, but maybe he takes it light. Maybe they give Eckler some more looks in the game. We're just kind of another one to monitor, you know, of the other. If you own a player with a hamstring injury, it's just another kid that you got to babysit each week for fantasy-wise. Absolutely. Um, I, I hope they, they hold him out, they give him some time, uh, and just let him heal up and, and get to full yeah. 100% before they throw him out there. Because, I mean, we saw what happens when you try to get these guys with hamstring injuries to, to play a little bit sooner than, than maybe uh, they would have liked. Uh, Leonard Fournette obviously re-injured his hamstring. Galvin is another one of those uh, dealing with the same issue. So play it safe, keep him out, you know, take your time. Uh, with these guys and uh, as a fantasy uh, as somebody that rosters any of these guys on a fantasy team I would like to see them first before uh, really relying on them so I wouldn't necessarily um, put them out uh, that first game back unless absolutely necessary right yeah Seattle's physical team as well and if if, uh, if they can get by without them that's probably best case but it's going to be a tough game for them it's a good matchup head-to-head both of those teams i'm a huge fan of melvin gordon i've watched him since he was a wisconsin badger and i'm always rooting for him i don't i do not want to see him get hurt or be done for a season that would that would really suck absolutely hopefully that's not the case i don't think it will be i think they caught it early enough that uh yeah they they're already demonstrated that they are going to give him some time by by sending him out last game so i think the chargers know what they're doing with gordon uh chris thompson uh Previously, he was injured. Uh, he had a rib injury and had a knee injury. He got over the knee injury, uh, was able to play with the rib injury, only to get injured again on the ribs on the other side this time. So Chris Thompson has just been hit after hit after hit when it comes to uh, being on the treatment table. And uh, this this seems to kind of just be another one of those. He seems no stranger to to spending a lot of time in the trainer's room, uh, both this season and previous seasons. What uh, can you expect from Chris Thompson moving forward, and what do you think the impact on that backfield is? I don't know. He's He has had quite the string of bad luck. So, I mean, they're riding Peterson to death, so they're just going to stick with that, I'm, I'm sure, and see what, hap- see what happens after Peterson. <laughs> just keep him coming. I don't know. That's all I, I mean, do. Uh, they have no choice at this point. Yeah, Capri Bibbs, or I mean, I don't know. You you'd imagine Jay Gruden wants Peterson to take the rock as much as he can, stay healthy, split a few carries. I, I mean, they're a run game, run focused team. Pretty obvious. That's what their identity is becoming this year. So they're not going to stray from that. But as long as Peterson holds up, then that's what it's going to be. Stephon Diggs uh, has his own rib injury to deal with. Uh, this week suffered uh, late in the game against the Saints. Uh, what do you make of Stefan Diggs? I don't necessarily think he'll miss any time, but if he does, uh, how does that affect the Minnesota uh, receiver core? Yeah, with Thielen, I mean, it's going to be Thielen on Slay this week probably. Um, with If you take Diggs out of the picture for any amount of time, I mean, that just lets any defense – focus fully on Thielen because there's really nobody else that's scary on that offense as far as receivers go it could maybe get Kyle Rudolph involved more but a healthy digs is a good thing for that offense I think they they do complement each other 
Diggs gets plenty of catches and looks as well. Thielen's, you know, dominance opens it up for Diggs in there as well. I don't think he'd miss anything either, but you never know. I think he was, uh, I think he practiced today. I had an alert earlier. I can't remember if it said he was downgraded or something. It wasn't, didn't look anything crazy, but it's one to keep an eye on if you got him in fantasy. Absolutely. If Stephon Diggs misses any time, and again, I don't think he will, but if he does miss time, I think this affects Thielen uh, negatively. I don't think that uh, having a number one corner on Thielen is, is really going to uh, help him uh, fantasy-wise. I, I do understand that he is you know, legitimately one of the best wide receivers uh, in the league this year, but I think one of the main reasons that that's the case is because teams generally shift their number one corner out to digs on the perimeter uh they don't necessarily have that guy follow Thielen in the slot and if digs isn't playing then like you said all the attention is going to be on Thielen. so i think that's definitely one to watch whether you own digs or Thielen, just so you kind of know what to expect from these guys uh in this next game yeah and then finally mike evans uh hurt late in that contest uh knee injury uh, i know he was uh limited at uh, the last practice, actually, I'm not even sure if he made it to um, the last practice this week, but today I saw that he was at least uh, practicing in limited capacity. I don't necessarily think he'll miss games, uh, but what happens if he does? Yeah, I think it's Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Humphreys. I mean, it's going to be those three in the mix with Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball. The Tampa Bay offense is a pretty big mess right now. Without Evans, I mean, fantasy-wise, too, that knocks you down. But I'd, I'd say Godwin, he's he's got the most to benefit if Evans were to miss time. All right. So that's it for the injury news this week. Let's go straight in to the exciting part of this week. We all know that we actually just passed the trade deadline, and there were a number of uh Big deals uh, that went down, actually more so than I've seen in, in recent seasons. Uh, let's kind of run down the list. So Amari Cooper to Dallas. Uh, this was one that didn't happen on deadline day. This was a little bit before that. And uh, we touched on this briefly in the last pod. But what are the implications of Amari Cooper going to the Dallas Cowboys from the Oakland Raiders? Yeah, I don't think it elevates him to some elite status. I mean, I think he's going to be he's going to be good in Dallas. He's not going to you know, break the mold or anything, but it's going to help Cole Beasley underneath. Maybe it'll help Gallup emerge a little more. Um, but like then, like we said before, Cooper's, he's not dropping the balls like we saw the other year, which is a good thing. He is a good receiver. He's not bottom of the barrel. I mean, a lot of people are so down on him and just wrote him off, but I think he'll, he'll get it, get in the swing of things in Dallas pretty quick. He may turn into something decent going, you know, the, end of the season we'll just have to keep an eye on them and see what happens the way they use them down there yeah you know what i think this is a positive uh for pretty much everyone involved that's not in black and silver right uh, i think this is a positive for amari cooper because uh, i do see uh dak as an improvement on Derek carr uh, make what you will of that i do think dak is uh, a little bit more talented than Derek carr when it comes to being able to extend plays and to give his receivers a little bit extra time to get open. Um, and uh, Amari Cooper is a separator. He's an elite separator for all the, um, I guess, bad 
uh, vibes that have come his way from fantasy owners and from uh, Oakland Raider fans alike, Amari Cooper uh, this season has been one of the uh, best receivers when it comes to yards of separation on his targets. So I think that's greatly going to help Dak Prescott. Now, my issue with this whole deal is I see Amari Cooper as a slot receiver. He's primarily been a slot receiver throughout his career. He hasn't been excellent on the perimeter. Uh, Cole Beasley is already established in Dallas, and he is the slot receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. So I really think you're fitting a, a square peg, or you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole uh, with Amari Cooper, uh, sending him to that team and expecting him to then be a perimeter threat. So I would actually watch that. Uh, but just in terms of overall talent and what Dak has to work with in Dallas, uh, moving forward, I think this definitely helps uh, him uh, kind of reach the levels that we saw in his rookie season uh, rather than what we've seen for him recently. That said, uh, for the past four or five games or so, Dak has kind of been back to what you expect from him, uh, getting you uh, anywhere from uh, 20 to 25 points a game uh, in PPR league. So just kind of keep an eye on that moving forward. Let's move on. Demarius Thomas uh, traded from my Denver Broncos to the Houston Texans, and they're actually going to square off uh, this week. So we'll see Demarius uh, in uh, Houston Texans colors uh, at Denver. Uh, so that's going to be kind of odd for me. Uh, what do you think are the implications of Demarius Thomas uh, moving to uh, Texas? Oh, I think it's I think it's good for him. Uh, I'd rather much rather have Deshaun Watson throw me the ball than Case Keenum. You know, and have it back to back. I mean, you get traded and then you play the team the next week. That's crazy. I don't. I don't know if it's ever happened that fast. I can't remember any situation where a player went, flipped teams and then played that team immediately. So, that's going to be a good one to watch. The uh, I think it's an upgrade for him without Will Fuller. I mean, it's going to be Hopkins, Thomas, Kiki probably, and with Watson running around buying time, scrambling, he can get open. He can. I think he can more than make up on broken plays and uh, and definitely be an upgrade for the offense. They need some more weapons. Um, everybody's kind of down on Thomas now while he was with Denver. So, you know, he's old and he's done and this and that. I don't really think he's completely washed out yet. I mean, he could have a, a spike here with Watson throwing the ball than, than Keenum. So I, I expect good things from him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. Uh, no? I've watched enough of Demarius Thomas to He's uh, done? have the opinion that I believe Demarius Thomas is going the way of uh, Des Bryant. I really do oh. think that uh, they are very similar receivers. Uh, that one with physicality, and, and I don't think uh, he has the same uh, level of speed. I don't think he has the same uh, separation ability that he did uh, when he was a younger receiver. Uh, he was never an extremely polished route runner in kind of the same mold as a Des Bryant, who kind of won with uh, strength and, and brawn and the ability to just win contested catches. Uh, that said, uh, I, I do see him uh, going to a better situation in Houston than what he experienced this year in Denver with Case Keenum. Um, Deshaun Watson is one of those quarterbacks that I call a DGAF quarterback. He really doesn't care. <laughs> He's going to throw it in a tight coverage. He's going to throw it deep. That's just what Deshaun does. And uh, as long as he continues to do that, I, I can see Demarius having uh, a better second half of the season than, than he had uh, a first half of the season. But 
uh, with his contract situation, I think he's owed something like $16.7 million next year. I really think this is just a stopgap for that team. Will Fuller heals up, and I don't necessarily see him as having an extended stay in uh, Houston. So uh, we'll see what happens with that uh, for the rest of the season, and then we'll see what happens with that moving forward. Uh, but I don't think that Demarius Thomas is something or someone uh, that you really want to put too much stock into uh, when it comes to your dynasty teams moving oh, yeah. forward. Yeah, dynasty for sure. I'm not going after him, anything like that. Just in, in reality, NFL, I guess you would say. You would say, Absolutely. I mean, he should get some volume there, and I think he might be decent this year. But yeah, like you said, Dynasty, nah, you're just way better options. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's no more targets in Houston outside of both himself and uh, Hopkins. So right. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna see some volume. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Golden State out to Philadelphia, leaving the Detroit Lions, leaving Matthew Stafford, leaving 100 catches a season. Yeah. Uh, you go to Philadelphia that already has Alshon Jeffrey, already has Zach Ertz. You might as well be that team's wide receiver one. If we're honest with ourselves, um, what do you make of Golden State uh, moving from uh, Detroit to Philly? That was the one that caught me by surprise. I didn't. I mean, I know they were talking about it kind of late, but I didn't think Tate would leave Detroit. I mean, I would see Jones leaving Detroit. I don't know. Um, but Tate and Alshon together, I think that's a good combination. Ertz, like you said, they're trying to get some more offense in Philly. It tells me they do not believe in Nelson Aguilar, so if you've got any Aguilar stock, you can get rid of that. I mean, it, I think he can pick up right where he was in Detroit with um, Carson Wentz throwing the ball and kind of the same. I think it's a even Steven kind of new scene for him. Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't quite know if uh, if we're going to see the same thing from Golden State uh, in Philadelphia as we saw from him in Detroit, and that's simply because kind of crowded in Philly. If you if you think of it all, I mean, I completely agree with what you said about Nelson Aguilar. I think he, I mean, he already wasn't a, a very consistent receiver for anybody in any fantasy leagues, but I don't think he'll uh, be one at all moving forward. Uh, but I don't see the same volume of targets uh, for its hate in Philadelphia uh, as I did in Detroit. I mean, Philadelphia hasn't been running three wide receiver sets. They've been using Dallas Goder and uh, Zach Ertz often. They run 21 per- personnel, I think, uh, at one of the highest rates in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate Tate. Um, also, uh, I did see... Something happening to Tate uh, moving from Detroit, uh, but I didn't see it happening at the trade deadline. If you look at the contracts, there's a reason why. Golden State's going to be a free agent uh, next year, so they were they were going to lose him for a comp pick, uh, probably lower than the third that they received from Philadelphia anyway. So they were always going to move him because they can't pay uh, him uh, while also uh, continuing to pay uh, Marvin Jones, who I think is still contracted for another two to three seasons. Uh, Kenny Galladay is starting to come into his own. Um, so I think the plan was always to move on from Golden State. I just didn't see it happening as quickly as it did. Uh, so that was an interesting uh, happening. And I think that uh, it'll be fun to see uh, Golden State on uh, the uh, Eagles this year. That said, uh, I would, if I was a, if I was a fan, owner of Golden State, I would consider moving him 
uh, right now because I'm, I'm not necessarily a fan of this move. I, I just don't see how he gets the same volume uh, in Philly as he did in Detroit. And uh, he was never really a big touchdown guy for you, so that was really where the majority of his value came from. Ty Montgomery, moving on from Green Bay to Baltimore. Uh, this this must be one you know very very special in your heart. So I'm gonna let oh, you yeah. <laughs> start talking about this one. We're talking about both the Packers and the Ravens in the same in the same night. So trade uh, yeah. Anytime the Packers this one. Anytime the Packers and Ravens can be trade partners, I'm I'm all interested in that. And like Green Bay was <laughs> since the Rams game, everybody's ready to run Montgomery out of town. Man, they're just they're done with him. And he did. I give him some credit because he did an appearance locally about 30 minutes from me, um, like a live kind of meet and greet with a radio station, and he showed up. I mean, a lot of players, they'd probably say, no, I ain't going to that. The media just crucified me, and, you know, Twitter's lighting him up. But, no, he sh- he manned up, and he went out there and basically said the same stuff. You know, he's not trying to be selfish running the ball out, and it was just a split-second decision that he did, whatever. But, yeah, so I get the alert that he goes to – he gets traded, and then another alert that it's the Ravens picking him up, and I'm like, damn. Um, and now since he's been traded to Baltimore, Alex Collins hasn't practiced this week. He's banged up. I don't think he practiced today. Um, Ty Montgomery, he may just get an opportunity right out the gate. I don't know. It depends on uh, if they are confident in letting him run out into the offense right away. I mean, he's going to get in the mix pretty, pretty fast, and they'll have a bye week after this Sunday, so... I'd imagine he'd be implemented a little more after the bye week, but he's a better better version of Buck Allen. Um, I think they're going to use him. I just think the Ravens don't know how they're going to use him yet. So with Collins, you're going to get a fumble out of him by the second quarter every game. Then he's going to go into John Harbaugh's doghouse, and then that's usually when he breaks out Buck Allen or somebody else to take the rest of the game and sprinkle Collins back in. I think now... It's going to be Collins when he fumbles the ball. He's out, and Montgomery's rest of the game. He's done. That's it. So I think it was a good move for both teams for the time being, but Baltimore it doesn't really – similar to the Packers, they're not going to commit to a run game. They just refuse to do it for whatever reason. They they do it in spurts. They barely get 100 yards a game, but maybe it changes now. They you know they know they got to run the ball. They need to implement some kind of run game into that offense because it's been sputtering out the past two weeks. So I think it's a good move for him, but I wouldn't go expecting you know that he's going to be a world beater now, just changing teams like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he wasn't really a world world beater on uh, the Packers no. anyway. No. Uh, so I mean, uh, he definitely won't be one in Baltimore because he's just again in another three headed monster committee. Like you said, yep. uh, Alex Collins, he's definitely going to get the first shot at it. Once he gets the first shot and he messes it up then uh, they'll move on to Buck Allen or Ty Montgomery in this instance. So I think he's pretty much in the same situation that he was in Green Bay, except this time on a worse offense. So if Ty Montgomery had any value, I think that's it's completely kaput with this uh, new move. So uh, I don't expect too much uh, from Ty Montgomery, though I do think that he is an upgrade on Buck Allen for the Baltimore Ravens. So for a seventh-round pick, I mean, you could do worse uh, if you're Baltimore. Yeah, he was another one. The Packers were, uh, his contract was up. He was likely not to come back anyway. So the Ravens have him on a on a rental through the end of the season, and they can decide what to do with him after that, re-sign him or let him walk. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely uh, see what happens with that. But, um, I mean, he definitely found himself in Mike McCarthy's doghouse anyway, so this might be a, a good move for all parties involved. 
Moving on, Dante Fowler, uh, the DN to the Los Angeles Rams, as if they didn't have enough pressure uh, with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald. They now add Dante Fowler to that mix. What does this do for the Rams' defense? Uh, what is the impact on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, what should we expect moving forward? Yeah, it's just another piece on the Rams that we all say, geez, they got him now? I mean, they're like the they're the dream team defense, damn near, with all these top pick players, you know, former high pick players. And I think it's a good thing, man. It only gives them more depth and rotation as long as he can stay healthy. And I think it's a blow for the Jags. They're going to take a step back maybe a little bit on that. But we'll have to see how it plays out. I think it's a good move for him. They're just trying to shore everything up before – you know, the, their playoff run, but undefeated. So the, the recipe is working. Definitely working. Definitely working. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just going to be, again, it's going to continue to be tough uh, to play the LA Rams. If you're an opposing quarterback, uh, Dante Fowler, very, very talented guy. I think he was drafted in the top half of the first round, uh, when he actually came to the league. So it's just extra talent for a defense that's already loaded. Um, I mean, just expect more sacks from the Rams defense moving forward, if that's even possible at this point. I know that the rotation that they can run on that line is scary. I mean, they just the combinations of guys and the health overall, I mean, it's it's great. Um, Hawkinson Dix, another Green Bay Packer, traded... Uh, from the Packers to the Washington Redskins. What is the impact of this deal, and why did the Packers make it? Clinton Dix was having himself a decent season, and he seemed to be one of the best safeties in the league. See, and that that's the funny thing, because outside of Green Bay, everybody puts him up pretty high in you know rankings or their thought you know of, of him as a player, but here in Green Bay, everybody's pretty much done with him. He, he takes a lot of plays off. Um, his contract was up this year, and he was likely not to come back. He's been on Twitter and social media putting up stuff about can't wait to be a free agent, and he's been kind of attituded up with the media and just just for the past two seasons pretty much, and you can see in his play, he'll show up for some games and he'll, he'll knock it out of the park, and then other games it's like, well, where is he? Um, you can see him come up and not want to hit guys since last year at times. Other times he's all about it, so... As a fan base here, everybody's just like, we're done with it, we're over it. And if you go back to that Redskins game that they played this season, he makes that interception and runs immediately over to DJ Swearinger, and they slap five, you know, and they're like, yeah, this is on the opponent's bench. You know what I mean? So I think he was kind of angling a a trade out of there behind the scenes that we never really knew about, but they were likely not to re-sign him anyway. Now without Clinton Dix... I mean, if you want to beat the Packers over top, have at it because they're going to put Tremont Williams back there to safety, um, and it's going to be a combination of him and Kentrell Bryce, Whitehead, or Josh Jones. It'd be optimal if they put the rookie corner Josh Josh Jackson out of this pass draft back there because he's got more size and speed, ball hawk, but they're going to run Tremont Williams and see how it goes. Um, I think it's kind of a downgrade for the Packers. It's a... It's an upgrade for the Redskins because I know he's going to go out there and play his ass off like he did as a rookie when he came into Green Bay. And the combination of Swearinger and Clinton Dix together, I think, is pretty solid for the Redskins. Carlos Hyde. Uh, This was another one that happened before the deadline. Traded from the 
Jacksonville or traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, we saw a game uh, played uh, by Carlos Hyde for Jacksonville, and he didn't seem to have that much of an impact uh, on the box uh, score. He really didn't seem to to really do too much uh, when you know actually having the eye test uh, look at the game as well. What does Car- Car- oh, Car- what does Carlos Hyde bring to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, is he just a stopgap for Leonard Fournette? Is he an effective stopgap for Leonard Fournette, or do you think the two split carries when everybody's back healthy? I think they're all going to split. I think he's the Band-Aid they want to keep Fournette healthy, and when they can use Fournette the most is at the end of the season. So, like you said, I think it's going to be a little committee to limp Fournette to the end of the season as healthy as possible and uh, keep him from getting injured completely for you know the time that he's missed. So I think it would be a, a healthy dose of him. But, yeah, he's got to show he can actually do something. I mean, he looked awful coming in. So give him a couple games, maybe he'll he'll get a little bit better, and they'll, they'll do some stuff with Hyde and TJ Yeldon together as a combo, mix in Fournette. But I think at, at the end of the season, it'll be Fournette taking the reins over if they want to do anything for a playoff run. All right, so let's move into this week's top storylines. So everybody saw the uh, Tampa Bay-Cincinnati game. QB Carousel is back in full effect. Looks like we're seeing Fitz magic all over again, and you know he was quite magical towards the end of that game, uh, throwing a long touchdown to Mike Evans. And also uh, saw him getting the rest of his wide receivers involved a little bit more than... Um, Winston was, especially as Winston had four interceptions. What's happening in Tampa Bay? Uh, what can we expect from Ryan Fitzmagic? And what's, uh, as you know, fantasy owners, what do we do now? I'm, I'm staying away from both of them. I'm not getting caught up on the hype again. Um, but I think they're going to ride out Fitzmagic until he messes it up so bad that they've got to go back to Winston. But I think overall as the team – you got to be done with Winston at this point. I mean, he is what he is. He's throwing picks. And, and you never saw this in college. Um, yeah, I mean, he's throwing picks since he's been in college. It's like, you think he's going to get to the NFL and just stop? Um, but throwing the four against Cincinnati, man, I think that kind of sealed his fate. I think the team overall, they may they may be done with it. I don't know. He's, maybe it's a draft pick, high draft pick on a quarterback next year or a trade or, or something. But the... Tampa Bay offense as a whole moving forward is just a mess quarterback wise. I think it's going to be a combination of both of them until the end of the season. Whoever, whoever's on a run and can hold it down for a couple games, you know, until they jack it up, then flip the other guy back in. But it's, it's one that I don't want to touch fantasy wise. Yeah. It's a really, really messy situation uh, moving forward. I mean, if you need a streamer, you can definitely can't go wrong with Fitzpatrick. The Tampa Bay quarterback position, uh, just as a whole, whether it's uh, Fitzpatrick or it's Winston, it's actually ranked the wide uh, the quarterback two uh, overall this season yeah. just on points alone. We just necessarily know where that's going to come from. So we do know that that position is extremely valuable if we could just figure out who's playing. Uh, I think the takeaway here is if you happen to be playing in dynasty leagues. Tampa Bay is where you really want to look um, when the next quarterback is drafted into the league. I believe Tampa Bay and uh, the New York Giants are the two most uh, viable positions uh, for a the next great quarterback just because there's so many weapons already set up at these sites. 
Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily know if we'll see uh, the same coaching regime uh, in the future. So uh, these are two things that I really watch for uh, this season, uh, for the end of the season, for next season, and moving forward, uh, just taking a long-term view of what's actually happening uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, let's move on. Still undefeated, the L.A. Rams versus the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if that was an L.A. Rams win as much as it was a Mike <laughs> McCarthy loss for the Green Bay Packers. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, I picked the Packers to win. I really thought they they would unseat them, and they played a hell of a game. And the biggest takeaway for me on that game was the defense because in Green Bay, the defense is brand new. We've got, you know, Dom Capers is out. Mike Pettin is in. He's got a whole new scheme. He's installing. It's completely different. They're doing things they typically don't do. They still do a lot of what they did before, but overall – um, and they're keeping them in the games. I mean, if, if at worst, they should be costing the team the games, and it's the offense with Rodgers that's been together the longest that can't get it right. No rhythm, out of sync. They, they're just all over the place. It's so crazy that the Packers have shown me for the second consecutive year just a, a, philo- a basic philosophy that you know rings true with the quarterback makes the team. Last year without Rodgers, what was that team? Nothing. And now... The play caller. It's showing me how much play calling and coaching really factor into the game plan um, with this because McCarthy should have gotten better this season bringing back um, Rodgers' offensive coordinator assistant from the Super Bowl year. With, uh, brain fart on his name. Oh, my God. I should not I should know this. <laughs> oh, I can't think of his name. He was brought in to be the assistant and kind of rein McCarthy in and – Get the, get the offense back to where it should be. And they're not even there yet. They can't get there. They don't want to run the ball. They don't want to do anything. So I, I'm so surprised that they just can't get off the ground offensively. But this game was, was there to win, and they had the win. All Ty Montgomery had to do was stay in the damn end zone and take the fair catch like he was told to do on the sideline. I guess all the stories out since the game. Um, he had a temper tantrum on the sideline. He was pissed that... Uh, he was, you know, not involved in the game plan. And coach told him to take a fair catch. He wanted to make a play and prove his worth. And then look what happens. Well, with a minute left to go, just give Aaron Rodgers the ball. You know that's your best chance. You, you just got to do it. So I'm sure that kind of tied in with, with the decision to trade him, of course. But um, overall, it's like that was the game to be won. I think they can go and beat the Patriots this week. I really do. And not just being a homer or a fan, but I really think they can run out there and beat the Patriots. Um, this game kind of gave them some some confidence, I think, similar to a game that they lost. I think it was with Matt Flynn against the Patriots a couple years ago. They lost by a couple points or something, and uh, it was like a good loss for the team. I, I kind of see this as the same little scenario for the Packers, but we'll see. Oh, Joe Philbin, that's who it is. Okay, then it comes to me later. <laughs> Joe Philbin was the assistant offensive coordinator brought back to green bay to dial in the offense and yeah so that's that's what we're seeing there yeah i mean running from uh your one yard line wasn't even really at the one yard line uh, straight through the tackles looking at donald and sue on the other side yeah, the thing that you're gonna get that is that's, that's an interesting decision to say the least yeah yeah there's so many questionable calls with mccarthy and i don't understand like where they're just out there. They're just they're completely out there with stuff like 
they don't make any sense. And I, we, it's, it's a mystery up here for what the hell he's doing. And is there anybody in his ear telling him, Hey, 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 knock it off. And he's just saying, no, I'm, I got this. Or like we talked about before with Aaron Rodgers, is Aaron Rodgers getting three play calls out to the huddle and he kills the run every time because he wants to pass. We don't know. We're, we're never going to know, but I'm telling you it's McCarthy's losing the locker room and the offense this year. And it's evident more than ever ever because there's so many things that typically do not happen out here that are happening so this could be his his last year in my personal opinion i think he could be gone you think they're actually gonna pull the trigger because i mean i feel like we have this conversation year in year out yeah i think they do i really do this year because they guten is the gm and uh you know he's taken over the packers team and he's they're all talking rebuild well it ain't a rebuild but they're retooling the team uh, for the Ted Thompson drafts, 2013 to 15, three guys remain. That's not good. That's your depth. That's your backups. That's your these. Those are guys that should be up in the system now and performing, and they're not. So Gutenkunz has got to, you know, overhaul the the depth and the back end of this roster, and that's I, that's happening before our eyes. Well, when he got into the office, he gave McCarthy a one year extension. One year. That told me right away. This guy ain't playing. He he's he know it's kind of like he's the fan that all all of us are for Aaron Rodgers, and we all say, "You can't let the window close, man." Aaron Rodgers, you're running out of time. Jeez, you got to do something. I think he's the one. He's our voice. He's in there. He's getting the stuff done now. And um, it was evident with the draft this year. They're they're changing the way they draft players, the style of player they're going after. Obviously, they want to get bigger, faster. They did not do that under Ted Thompson. They were smaller. And um, just the whole metric of what Ted Thompson wanted is just not not feasible. And it, it shows in those those drafts, like I said. So but I think with the one year extension, that's given Goody enough time to evaluate McCarthy and say, I like you. You're, you can implement what I want to do. And right now that's not ha- you can't say that. You cannot say that. So the way he's losing the locker room with. Six anonymous sources saying that Ty Montgomery um, was basically like, I don't give a F about McCarthy. I'm doing what I want. That doesn't happen in Green Bay. There are no anonymous players that come forward with stuff like that. That does not happen. Has it? Yeah, it's it's happened. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a freaking Bible up here, but that does not happen, and it doesn't happen consistently. So that's one thing. The play calling, like you see on the field, like I see on the field as a fan and around the league, I mean that you have to question what what is going on because all the talk this offseason was with Joe Philbin coming in no longer will Green Bay run out a three wide receiver set and just run 100 plays off of that formation. Philbin's going to come in and we're going to mix it up and we're going to get back to what what won the Super Bowl that year. Well, what won the Super Bowl that year? Five wide receiver sets, motions, all kinds of crazy stuff, people in motion playing matchups. I still haven't seen it. I don't know. I've watched every game. I still have I've seen it in blips when they're trying to come back in games and, and that usually works. But Aaron Rodgers, are we reining Aaron Rodgers in? Are we going to get him to go through his progressions and, and run the offense? I don't think he likes the offense. Uh, like I said, if he's going to the, the huddle with three plays and they want him to run the ball and, you know, he's, he sees a safety come down and get into the box, he doesn't want that run play anymore. He wants to make a play and throw it deep. Well, you need a coach to say, hey, listen, listen to me. I know what you want to do, but listen to me. So I th- I think with Gutenkunst, he's looking at McCarthy going, man, he's losing the team. And George Seifert of the Niners said, 
you know, eight, I think it was eight years, uh, the message gets stale, or maybe it was 10 years, but either way, I mean, I think the message is stale and he's starting to lose it a little bit. So in my wacky world of craziness of what could happen next, what would you say that Greg Williams is not coaching the Cleveland Browns next year and GM John Dorsey rings up his old buddy, Mike McCarthy and says, Hey, I got a young quarterback here. You want to develop him?" And McCarthy goes to Cleveland. I don't know, man. That's it's got me thinking. That's possible, but I mean, you make some valid points. Um, you might be losing the locker room just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, with uh, some of the murmurs coming out of uh, Green Bay, obviously Aaron Rodgers isn't happy, and I feel no. like there's always been some tension between them. But we're actually kind of hearing it aired out a little bit more this year than maybe we have in years past. So you might be onto something. Yep. Sweet revenge. New Orleans uh, defeats Minnesota. Oh, uh, yeah. Just uh, to kind of get them back for the Minnesota miracle that happened last season. Uh, that game was, I mean, I think more of what we can expect to see from the Saints this year. Um, I was of the opinion that, you know, drafting Traquan Smith, signing Cameron Meredith, uh, that I thought the Saints were going to be pass happy this year again. I thought they were going back to the, the shoot 'em up Saints that we saw with uh, Drew Brees's. Uh, tenure pretty much every season yeah. before last and now this year. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case at all. I mean, they're running teams down, and they're just running and running and running, and it seems like uh, they're really going to make full use of both Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And we saw that uh, in this one. Uh, what do you think uh, happens with the Saints' offense moving forward? And what's going on with Minnesota? It seems like every game where they're just a little bit challenged, they lose. Every game where... You would kind of expect them to win, except for the Buffalo Bills game, of course. Uh, they, 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 they do it no problem. I mean, is this a team that has the same sort of Super Bowl aura around them as they had last season, or are we kind of seeing a, a team that might not even necessarily uh, make the playoffs this year? Yeah, I'm not sure on the Vikings. I almost feel like, you know, the defense to me should they pretty much returned intact they should be tearing it up and i think they're almost reading their own press clippings and just like you said they're the games are supposed to win they're having trouble with or they're losing and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me to have Thielen on there you've upgraded the quarterback um i think dalvin cook not having him was a big blow to the offense big blow to not having him in that in that lineup well, they have Latavius Murray, who's been having himself a season. I know. This year. It, it. I almost feel like they like it just sucked the wind out of their sails when when they without Cook. I don't. It's a it's a weird, weird deal. I mean, they should be just destroying the NFC North. Um, anybody they play, I I I was really high on the Vikings this off season, like that they were really gonna take it over and you know for as close as they got last year. But I don't know. Something's different. Something's not right. Yeah, we'll kind of see what happens moving on. But, uh, but yeah, uh, New Orleans seems to, to be getting it all together. They have a defense. Uh, the first couple of games of this year, we didn't actually see that defense perform to its uh, full capability, but I think we're seeing that now. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting uh, what goes on moving forward with both of those teams. I just, you know, I almost expect them to be better than they have been so far. Yeah. Back amongst the wins. So, apparently all it takes to get a win in Arizona is to fire Mike McCarthy. 
Who knew? McCarthy, he ain't fired yet. Uh, to the, what's the uh, not Mike McCarthy, Mike McCoy. Sorry. McCoy, yeah, <laughs> too many M- McCoys, McCarthys, <laughs> McNuggets. They're all the same. They're all the same. Too yeah. many mix. Too many mix. But um, I mean, we got Larry Fitzgerald involved in the offense all over again. Good to again, see Larry. It's back. like you didn't realize that a Hall of Fame wide receiver was somebody that you should be targeting. Normally, uh, we got um, we got David Johnson uh, actually uh, catching some passes, split out wide on a couple of occasions. I mean, this wasn't uh, a terribly exciting game. They weren't playing against an elite level defense. I mean, you have to be honest. They were playing against the San Francisco 49ers, who are even hobbled at that time. They, they've just been dealing with all kinds of injuries, both on the offensive and defensive side. It's been a tough year for uh, the 49ers. Um, but we saw some good things from Josh Rosen. We saw him be able to uh, sit in the pocket, be able to uh, actually um, you know, complete some, some first downs on a relatively – uh, consistent basis. What does that tell you about him? What does that tell you about uh, the Cardinals moving forward? And uh, I mean, is there any hope for the 49ers this year? I don't know. I think the Niners are pretty much toast. I just got the alert earlier too that it's Mullins is the quarterback tonight or something. I don't know. The uh, but the Cardinals taking care of them, I think, was a you know 50 50 um, opponent. They lucked out with getting the Niners and then. Having Byron Leftwich take over this offense, I think he's going to put his stamp on it. And the team's been pretty high on him and promoting him, you know, that he's doing a good job and they like what he's seeing. He could be a coach and blah, 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 all the, all the talk. Um, but I think he's decent. That's the difference. I think to have Leftwich set up an offense for him, McCoy was not doing that. And we, who knows what McCoy was try, trying to do with not using David Johnson and Fitzgerald and everything. And it's one game, but. There's something there, so I think it's it could come together. Maybe they they improve a bit for the end of the season, but it it's a good thing. Rosen showed me a little bit. I mean, maybe I mean he was drafted high. Um, you either love him or hate him. I think in most fans, but um, I think he could be decent. He just needs a good offense to get you know play to his strengths and and get him comfortable. So if Leftwich can set it up for him, he's got Larry to take it off of him david johnson to take some pressure off of him so they just got to use use his surrounding cast and uh and build the guy some confidence you know mccoy was not doing that there getting him killed every week so so maybe he turns into something a little better maybe they improve a couple games we'll see um they're gonna have a decent schedule coming up we'll see see how they do they got a bye week so he can get a little more into that offense uh for week nine and then come back and just kind of start fresh as a whole on offense so I think it, it's good things for him, hopefully. All right, and Pennsylvania goes to England. Uh, he was able to uh, take down the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you know kind of were playing in what at least uh, Mr. Khan hoped that home would be in Wembley uh, this past weekend. Uh, until this game, no quarterback, I believe, had thrown for more than one touchdown versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Carson Wentz threw three. So, uh, I mean, what does this tell us about Philadelphia? What does this tell us about Jacksonville? Obviously, uh, like we mentioned, they're still in defense, but they're just on the field for too long. And I mean, Philadelphia has been struggling with the run game. They're trying to rotate in, you know, three, four, five games, uh, three, four, five backs, it seems, every game. Uh 
I mean, what 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 do we make of both of these teams? Is the Super Bowl hangover over with? Are we seeing the real Philadelphia, especially with the addition of Golden State now? And does Jacksonville make the playoffs with with Blake Bortles? Yeah, I, I think the Jacksonville Jags have a lot of work to do if they want to get anywhere for these playoffs. But Philly for FFD two sixty, I did a Show Me Sunday um, article where this was one of the games where I was saying Philly's got to show me something. They got to show me this hangover is like done, you know, they, they need to get something going, get in that NFC East mix uh, to win that division. And they're going to have to go to Jacksonville and show me they can get it done. And they did. I, I think it, it was a good game. There was something they can build on. We were talking earlier, they're going to add golden Tate now. So give them another weapon, at least on receiver. I hope it may be the spark they needed to, to finish out the season strong. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with both of these teams. I feel like they're more talented than the records show, and um, yeah, obviously I think that uh, Golden State's just going to help uh, kind of be an extension of the run game for Philly. I think they're kind of understanding that maybe running just isn't what is going to work for them this year, so uh, they might just have to put a little bit more on Wentz's shoulders, and uh, having Golden State just allows them to get the it's that um, teams like the New England Patriots have been using for years uh, to to kind of serve as their faux run game. Yeah, they got to get the defense back back down to Super Bowl status almost too. I mean, I think the defense has got to to get better the next few weeks if they want to take care of that their division. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, Washington Redskins seem to be the class that. Uh, that division, but I mean that's not necessarily what anybody expected. Um, it'll it'll be fun to see uh, that come down to the wire. All right, so this week we're going to talk a little bit about trades. Uh, the NFL just had their trade deadline, so I thought uh, what better time to talk about some trades in fantasy leagues? Uh, let's talk about some trade etiquette and some trade tips uh, that uh, we've acquired. Uh, and uh, some of the ways that this helps us in our negotiations moving forward. So uh, let me ask you, Frank, what tip uh, specifically for our listeners uh, for trading? What do you usually do? I like to, I mean, all the basics, I guess. You should always just do the the foundation of trades for fantasy. Like send the offer, even if it's something maybe not stupid, but I mean, don't send something ridiculous, obviously, but it, but try it. I mean, have a, have a plan. Go after, you know, we were talking before. I like to take my league, start at the bottom, and just kind of work my way up on trade offers and see if there's somebody I can score, you know, for that team that's in dead last place. They're more apt to work with you. They want to move up. So try them out first, send them an offer, and have a backup in mind in case they reject it. You know, never throw all your chips in at once, but just send them something fair. Respond quickly. Don't leave them hanging. I, we usually do like a one or two day window in in, a, in the family league that I do. And we also have a Slack site that we're all in. So you just message a guy on there. I mean, hey, you want to trade this guy for this guy or do this or that? Work it out ahead of time. Usually we'll get it done faster than trying to wait and sit on the, the trade offer through NFL.com or Yahoo or whatever you're doing. That's typically the the foundation of what I do when I do trades, and I never never really have an issue with it at all. Yeah, I think uh, my main tip for trading is is kind of pretty much similar to to what you do. I just like to I like to not BS my way around things, and 
maybe not necessarily have a backup offer. I put my my, my best foot forward do you? first most of the time. And the reason that I do that is my best foot isn't always, you know, something over overreaching. It's a well-considered offer that I think helps us both. And if they don't necessarily go with that first offer, I'm fine to back up and let them take their time to actually think about that offer. More often than not, I'll find that people come back to me um, with either the same offer or slightly modified offers uh, simply because they didn't think that that was my my best going forward. Uh, I'm kind of the person to, 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 to set it out there and to leave it. And uh, if it's something that you want, if it's something that you're actually thinking about, especially if uh, it has an impact on your team situation, if your team is, is, is bad, maybe it has some picks in it, or if your team is doing well, maybe it has a player who can help you. Um, if it's something in that range, uh, oftentimes uh, what I find is, is owners will, will consider that after the initial shock of receiving a trade. Because initially, every time you get a trade, you don't necessarily want to accept that first offer because you think that there's more coming after it. But if you're dealing with a guy you know consistently gives you decent offers and will not change that offer, it kind of changes how you interact with that person. Yeah. Yeah, you got to know your league, know your know your other teams and, and friends in there. Exactly. Also, uh, are you nervous about trades ever? Not really. I mean, unless unless it's um somebody that I it's like that I've got to get rid of or somebody that I've got to have that you're just so focused. I try not to do that on players personally, just so I don't get too amped up on one extreme or the other. But sometimes I mean, people are sweating a certain player and they're like, I gotta get him, I gotta get him, and they're so nervous about making a trade or or is you know, will he accept that trade? Do you think this per you know, they'll go around to other league mates. Do you think this person will accept this trade if I offer this and get that? I don't know, man. Just do it. <laughs> Just don't put so much heart in it. Just do it. See what happens. Throw it up there. And the worst they can say is no. And if they say no, then flip a new offer on there and try something else. But yeah, I personally, I just, I think maybe when I first started playing fantasy football, I used to get all worked up on getting just locked in on a certain guy that's like, this is the guy I got to get him. He's going to make the difference and, and get me a couple extra wins or into the playoffs or what have you. And I just try not to, to look at the players like that anymore. <laughs> just look at the art of the trade, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes some time to kind of get comfortable with that. I saw an article on Twitter uh, from Adam Harstad. You should definitely follow him. If you're not doing that already, this guy is, uh, he's with football guys and, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to Dynasty League specifically, and that's where uh, most of my insight comes from. I get nervous trades, I do. But what I realize is if you consider yourself, if you find yourself to be a decent trader, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And the ones that you win uh, honestly outweigh the ones that you lose in the end. Uh, you can't necessarily always wait for that you know, 100% trade that you think is going to work every time because what you find is even if you get a few of those done – the rest of your league is going to notice that, and they're never going to trade with you again if they feel that you're always getting the better end of the trades. And also, if you're waiting just to make trades on that 100% offer, you're not really willing to take risks, uh, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities. Uh, earlier this year, for example, I was offered James Conner in multiple deals, and I just I didn't want to pull the trigger because I didn't think that James Conner was going to be anything. I didn't think Le'Veon was going to hold out as long as he did. Uh, lo and behold, I really regret that trade now because I'm in need of a running back 
And had I just pulled the trigger for what was a second round pick at the time, uh, I could have found myself in a much better situation. So I think it's really uh, prudent of uh, anybody in a fantasy league, whether the dynasty, whether it's redraft, any type of league, think in the moment and understand that you are going to lose. You are going to to put yourself, or if you put yourself out there enough, you are going to lose. But not taking the chance, that opportunity cost is just as damaging as, you know, making lots of trades and winning in the long run. Yeah. So tell me, uh, what is the best deal that you made this year? What do you think really, really helped you this year? Um, well, before that, going back to what you just finished on, though, is kind of like fantasy. I mean, we go on our takes we go on what we know at the time so like you said i mean you you go with what you know at that time in that moment and you do the best thing possible just like when we pick players for starts and sits or what we think um at the you know before the week's kicked off and then you just never know after that so yeah you got to accept some losing or some stuff to go wrong but for me the best one i made this year um was week six in my family league i traded melvin gordon for thielen and Lindsay, and i just did it I, i don't know what i have James Conner, and I have McCaffrey. So at running back, um, the Gordon hamstring and whatnot, I said, I'm pulling the trigger on this, and I landed it. So that, Hal, I couldn't tell you why you'd, you'd accept it, but it was I was kind of torn because I love Gordon. I love having him on my team, but the hamstring is worrisome to an extent for me, and I did need some receivers. So having Thielen, and I did feel that Lindsey would come get a little better um, the way Royce Freeman had been playing so I thought he had more upside over a person that could get injured when I've already got two decent running backs. So that was probably my best one. Um, the other league I had, I traded, it was week eight, the other week, Stefan Diggs uh, for on Johnson. That was only because I have Hopkins and Thomas. It was an auction draft. I went heavy on those two receivers. And my running backs were Sony and Buck Allen, so I needed a running back. But that was a good one for me. And the other person needed receivers. They were... They were way bad on receivers. So those were the two best I've made this year. Nice, nice. Best one I made this year was uh, a forward-thinking one. Um, I looked at uh, the roster of the Seattle Seahawks this year. This was actually even before the Doug Baldwin injury, and I found that uh, they didn't really have too much in terms of receivers or in terms of anyone to catch passes, tight ends included. At least I thought at the time. We didn't know about Will Disley uh, back then. So I looked at Tyler Lockett and saw the reports that he was actually healthy for the first time this season. He hadn't been healthy for the last couple of seasons. And so I I kind of put a couple feelers out for Tyler Lockett. I ended up, uh, again, knowing my league. I knew the guy that I was dealing with was an avid Arizona fan. And if you remember, at the beginning of the season, and during the offseason especially, there was a lot of hype around Ricky Seals-Jones. So what I did was I offered him Ricky Seals-Jones straight up for Tyler Lockett. And right now, I'm reaping the benefits of that. Oh, big actually, time. Oh, yeah. I'm 8-0 in that league. And one of the reasons that um, I was even able to do that was, one, because I took a chance on a player that had underwhelmed. Um, so I think you constantly need to find ways to win on the margins. You need to find those guys that have underwhelmed but are in good situations uh, that you think – might do well that year, and you might get lucky more often than not. So that's that's definitely my best trade this year, Ricky Seals-Jones for Tyler Lockett. <laughs> that's that's is, a good one. Uh, 
Oh yeah, who's uh, who's I think a, a top twenty-four receiver uh, so far this year. Now that said, I consider myself extremely lucky because the way he has been scoring is absolutely crazy. I mean, you cannot expect uh, a touchdown every three to four catches like he's been doing week in week out but I mean I'll ride it as long as it lasts and honestly however that goes at the end of the season whatever the final standings are I think I came out ahead in that one and yet that's only because I was willing to take a risk on a player that had underwhelmed previously yep yeah that's a totally good move too and you always play for in the moment because a player's stock is typically you know never higher than it is coming off a big game or a bad game or something like that if you you know package a little emotion into it you know and the guy's looking at your offer and he's going oh yeah he just he that game was awesome or so or he's coming up and the hype people are talking about him on the news and sports center and whatnot and they'll put a little more stock into it so yeah i mean you take it man that's a killer one all right so uh let's actually go to the worst trade that you've made this year Let's talk about that. What was the worst deal that you put together this year? Uh, at the, least as far as you are concerned. For me, the uh, before, what week was it? I think it was like week four or something. It was kind of like everybody's pretty much given up on Bell and it was starting to swing that, you know, he's not coming back to the Steelers. So the person in my league that had Bell, um, I was pretty decent on receivers, but I really needed a, a – a running back and I felt like man if I could get Bell from that team um if he comes back that could really help and then they announced remember he was going to come back and meet the team was it week six I think or weeks oh I can't even remember now why is this stuff flying but um when they announced he was going to come back to the Steelers and talk I said that's it and me and you had talked quite a few podcasts back about you know maybe he comes back after that because it's the certain point in the contract where you've got to show up um, we weren't planning on him tanking these game checks and stuff like he's done but at the time i said i can see him coming back um and working something out to be in the mix with james connor so i knew that person in my league was getting frustrated with bell so i traded godwin and hines from the colts for bell and now here i sit with bell and nothing and everybody in the (laughs) league mind you (laughs) threw a fit because they thought i was ripping that person off intentionally and I, my argument was, you're not, you're not ripping a person off if the person is done with the player. You know what I mean? If I'm done with Bell, I don't want him. I don't care. I'll trade him for anybody. That's how the person felt. So, that's the trade I did. <laughs> and now here yeah, I sit. I mean, honestly, that that still probably helps you in the long run. I don't it's know. It's not week ten yet. If he doesn't come <laughs> back by week ten, then honestly, the sky's falling, and I don't know what's happening anymore. But week 10 was always the week that he actually had to come to accrue a full season so that uh, he was then able uh, to become a free agent next year. Otherwise, they could just tag him again if that's what they wanted to do, them being the Steelers. Uh, so we'll see what happens in week 10. But yeah, I'd Godwin love- for Hines, Godwin and Hines, that's still not bad for you anyway. Yeah, it's not too bad, but I could use some running back depth on that team and um, for the couple weeks even before Mac came back or whatever you know Hines would have been a nice score to have on that on that team so we'll see what happens to Bell but right now as it stands that's probably my worst one this year it's that is definitely true uh my worst one was bad <laughs> it was a really <laughs> bad one um now that said I think it helped me in the long run because it set up some other moves for me um again anything that I say anything that Frank says 
is generally redraft focused. Anything that I say is generally dynasty focused. So this was a dynasty trade. Okay. And what I did here was I traded Brandon Cooks, the 2-4 pick, uh, as well as – what else did I put in that? No, I think it was Brandon Cooks and the 2-4 pick, and I received a first-round pick, Dak Prescott, <laughs> and a third-round pick that I then spent on Sam Darnold. Yep. So it was bad at the time, and I knew it was bad at the time because you never really want to trade for quarterbacks, but I really needed one that only had Patrick Mahomes at the time, so I thought I needed somebody else to kind of just be that consistent, you know, get me 20 points a game type player, which that for the last four to five weeks has been, more or less. But, I mean, that one hurt because I did not know how Brandon Cooks was going to be used in this offense. I considered Brandon Cooks a boomer bust option like he has been throughout the majority of his career. You know, one week he'll put up 25, the next week he'll put up four, and you're just frustrated the entire time because you do not know what to expect from him. He's not that anymore. Uh, he's actually getting used on short slants and on a bunch of uh, close-to-the-line catches uh, that he just hadn't seen uh, previously in his career. I should have uh, put more stock into uh, trusting that Sean McVay would make use of a guy that he just paid all that money to. Um, that, as well as the that I thought I was overexposed to the Rams offense because I had both Cooks and Cup, and I didn't want two receivers from the same team on the same roster. Moving right. forward, I'm going to know that you know there are certain, at least... I should understand that it's not always a bad thing to have multiple receivers uh, in the same offense if that offense has shown that it can support those receivers, as we've seen with everyone on the Rams and with both Diggs and Thielen being successful in that Minnesota offense. It's not always a bad thing uh, to have multiple guys in the same offense if that offense is good. Uh, so that's definitely something I'm going to change about my process moving forward next year that hopefully prevents me from making some of those bone-hitted deals uh, yeah. moving forward. Now, that said, to save myself, that first-round pick, along with another first-round pick that I acquired from another deal, ended up turning into Leonard Fournette, which I hope will then help me in the stretch run uh, while uh, when I get uh, both Leonard Fournette and Barkley back after this bye week. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah that's kind of like just driving the train into the other train, just keep going, hammer down. <laughs> exactly. Hammer down, exactly. no breaks. It was it was pretty bad. It hurt for a long time, but uh, you know, I think I got over it. If Fournette sucks, if he's not the same guy when he comes back, if he does split carries with Carlos Hyde, I'm gonna be really upset. Yeah, I think for me for like process wise, I should probably just kinda just stay away from more of these holdout scenarios or uh even injury ones too because i i kind of lose it a little bit on thinking a little too optimistically on a guy coming back from injury sooner you know than he probably will or like bell with the holdout like i thought it was a done deal i, I really swore if if they announce he's meeting the team the team is not going to jack it up and that that would that would lock him into the roster in a return so it's probably uh dial that in a little bit process wise for the way i go about looking at uh available players <laughs> trades Yep. Um, all right, so 
Let's move on to the current buy uh, for you. What's your current hot buy? Who do you uh, who do you want off of every team right now that you think is actually acquirable? Um, I guess I I kind of looked at this as far as I think my rosters are pretty much set the way I want. So I'm trying to get some like flex guys or a little bit of depth in case you know down the road. So I actually had two receivers. I had DJ Moore for the Panthers. He came on against the Ravens. He's got a sweet schedule um for the rest of season he's got tampa bay obviously then cleveland new orleans atlanta and new orleans again that's a great playoff fantasy playoff schedule and i also like willie sneed for the ravens another guy the guy's catching three to eight balls a game um flacco's trusting him more and more his schedule sets up pretty decent he's got kc uh week 14 then tampa bay and the chargers but that's still pretty decent at least that they can air out the ball against those teams they're you know, they get in some possible shootouts or high-scoring games, and, and Flacco has seemed to trust him. He comes underneath. John Brown opens up a lot of stuff for him. But if you look at him by name and you're like, eh, it's Willie Sneed, eh. But when you look at his stats and his numbers um, for what he's done in fantasy, it's like, eh, it's not too bad. It's enough you could warrant a flex play out of him or if somebody, you know, got hurt or didn't play or hamstring kind of deal injury, maybe you throw him in in a pinch. But those two for me – would be my uh, current buys this week, guys, I went after on the waivers. My current buy is the guy that I got before, Dak Prescott. And I think uh, the reason that he is going to be a good buy is because he just added weapons. Um, and he's running a lot more than he had at the beginning of the season. I think they've really stopped trying to make Dak Prescott a pocket passer. And they're understanding how to use him to his strengths. And I think as long as he has... Uh, the ability to get out of the pocket, to extend plays, I think he can be very, very good down the stretch, and I think he will be good moving forward in dynasty formats uh, simply because he has the Konami code ability of having that rushing ability now coupled with, again, having what could be a number one receiver in Amari Cooper. So we'll see what happens with Dak Prescott, but that's definitely my current buy right now. That's who I want to get while his stock is still a little bit low. Definitely. Uh, current sell. Who is your sell? I'm going to throw it out there, man. Dalvin Cook. I have him, and I've been sitting on him, and I'm just ready to be done. I can't. Why am I tying up? The guy is, you get all hyped. I get all these alerts. He's practicing. He's practicing. And then <laughs> game time decision, and then he doesn't play. I, I can't even deal with this guy anymore. I mean, what's he played? Three games? Um I think right now I'm going to sell him on name value alone or maybe somebody else's optimism and see if I can get something. I mean, that's that was one of my top picks um, in the snake draft that I did in that league. I had, I think I was picking pretty late, but he was there and out of the bunch. I mean, I usually kind of do best available in snake drafts a lot of times, and I thought I should take a chance on Cook because I never really do that for for running backs. I usually go pretty wide receiver heavy for PPR stuff or stuff like that. But yeah, cook, I mean, he's sitting there doing nothing for me. I'm getting really aggravated. I'm going to sell him, man. I think somebody can offer me something for him. Yeah, I can see where you are with cook. I mean, it's to see those, those injuries that keep people out forever. Um, he should be back though, uh, week 11. And, um, I can kind of see where you're coming from. I'd want to sell cook as well because Latavius Murray is having such a great season. And uh, I just I don't see him getting the full workload when he does come back. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of right in the same boat with you. My current sell is Golden Tate. 
Um, and again, this goes back to I just don't see him having the same volume that he had in Detroit and Philadelphia. There's just too many targets in that offense. Uh, now you have uh, Godur, you have um, you have Dallas Godur, you have Zach Ertz, you have Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, you still have to imagine that Nelson Aguilar will see a couple of targets, something like five targets maybe a game. So where are the 9, 10, 12 targets that uh, Tate is accustomed to going to come from? I just don't see where it comes from. I still think he has some name value. If somebody maybe is happy with that trade and doesn't necessarily process it the same way that we do, um, I would definitely say uh, go out and sell Tate high before you actually see what he is in that offense, which I think will be a lot like a Jarvis Landry that doesn't score any touchdowns for you. So I think that's what we're going to see from Tate, and that's why he would be definitely on my uh, sell uh, radar. All right, let's talk about holds. What is your current hold? Um, my hold was Aaron Jones for the Packers. Um, I mean, the past two weeks, people, you're either adding him like crazy or you're dropping him. He's been pretty 50-50 one way or the other. But um, I think with the departure of Ty Montgomery, the Jones hype is, is it's getting rolling again. And uh, people are thinking it's going to be the Aaron Jones show in Green Bay. I'm holding on that only because Mike McCarthy as a coach we talked about it earlier, has consistently shown us that he will not acknowledge a running game. He did a little more against the Rams, but I think that was playing into the opponent because he knew he he, he better get his ass in gear against the – this is the Rams. This is like, you know, the Jets or Cardinals or somebody they're playing. So I think with Aaron Jones, it's, it's a hold status for me because I want to wait and see – how that backfield shakes out, and I think it's going to go back. It's it's a good thing, don't get me wrong. It's now a little more clearly defined. One and two, Jamal Williams is your, you know, is your setup guy. Jones is is your finesse guy behind that. If it comes around and it he turns into something, you're awesome, man. You're golden. You got Jones on your lineup. If he comes around and you want to sell him, trade him. You've got some ammo there, and if he's a bust, then you got to move on, obviously. But I think I'm not believing all the hype just yet. I'm going to hold and wait and see how it shakes out over this Patriots game and um, and go from there. All right. My current hold is Jarvis Landry. And uh, that's just because, you know, the last couple of games he hasn't been that great. He hasn't been great with Baker. But, I mean, he's signed long-term to that Browns team. And he's going to be there for a while. And that Browns team just has two much on offense to, to be kept down for too long. I think all it needs is a, a good coach, and I think we can see that uh, this next year. So uh, if there's a guy that you really want to hold right now that doesn't necessarily have uh, that, that stock, um, I would definitely say that it is uh, going to be uh, Jarvis Landry moving forward. I do think he can be good for you. I think he can be what he was in, uh, in Miami and uh, – if you're looking for the most solid of solid wide receiver two, wide receiver threes, I think you have that in Jarvis Landry. You just have to be patient um, as Baker gets out the kinks. Um, I think he'll be good in the long run. I think that's uh, there's a lot of value to be had in that Browns offense. So you you meant hold as in keep. <laughs> I did. I, I was thinking I was thinking hold as in maybe don't go one way or the other by yourself. So that's why my answer was Aaron Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. You know what I, I mean? mean? It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same. Yeah, thing. that's I. I took it to mean hold. Like, eh, it could go either way. You don't want to necessarily 
go buy him just yet, but you don't necessarily want to sell him either. So that's that's why I answered Orange Jones. Okay, we're on the same page. Thank God. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if you understood it the way I understood it, understood it now, wouldn't you still say Aaron Jones? He's still kind of one yeah. of the players, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, guys, uh, members of the All-22 Army, do you want us to judge some of your trades? Go ahead and send us your deals. Um, did we miss anything? Do you want to hear your team or player discussed on the show next week? Definitely let us know on Twitter. You can find myself, Aton Mosia, at FF underscore Wonderkid. You can find my partner, Frank, at... The FFL Wire. And yeah, on those trades, man, put a little poll out there. Tag us in it, um, and we'll answer it. We'll vote. We'll give you our take on it. Definitely. All right. Guys, thank you for being part of the All-22 Army. See you guys on the next one. Peace.